Welcome to Food and Loathing, which I like to think of as the mother of all food podcasts, hosted by a different kind of mother, me. I'm your host, Al Mancini, joined as always by the Mac Daddy of all producers, Rich Johnson. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, we figured we could use some true mommy mojo for this episode. So we are thrilled to have James Beard award-winning writer and mommy, Kim Foster, returning to the co-host chair this week. Kim, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It is great to um, have you back, man. Uh, it's fantastic to have you back. And it is it has been turning into a bit of a sausage fest in recent yeah. weeks. So thank you. <laughs> we love all your, your sausages. Sorry I don't have your, any. It- your feminine goddess energy here. With yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sorry I don't have any Italian beef for you this time. I bring my uterus to the table. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and we're just going to let that go. Yeah. The news this week. Um, Kim, this is the part of the show where we generally discuss what we've been up to. But before we get into where you've eaten, I'm hoping maybe you could tell us a bit about the book you're working on. Right? Yeah. Because that has been the primary focus of what you're doing these days, I'm guessing. I do nothing but write this book. <laughs> so we're in final edits right now. So hopefully I will be able to come up for water soon. So this book is about food as it intersects with poverty. And so basically what people are eating and cooking at home and what their lives are like around food when they don't have the money to indulge in uh, other things. So it's really about food and all of us everyday folks that are just out there trying to yeah. You know. And much needed because so many of us in the food press love to talk about the higher end, the upper echelon. Could we add caviar to that? And, <laughs> yeah. to that? and it is a lot more fun to write about this, but yes. it's a lot more important what you are writing about. So when are we going to see this? And when are we going to be able to buy a copy? Uh, so this will be out in the fall of 2023, or 2023, which is so weird that it'll be like a year from now. And <laughs> I'm hoping that you know when it comes out, it'll be irrelevant because all of the things I talk about won't be an issue anymore but i suspect yeah. it'll, i suspect it'll be relevant anyway just in case we haven't solved poverty yeah. by the time the, yeah. next year this, yes this is I, america i'm hoping it's irrelevant like it comes out and people are like this is passe and you know we didn't really need to read this so but i'm gonna guess that that's not the case okay well you're gonna keep us up to date on the progress on that i, I will and, absolutely and man good luck because um as someone who has put out books that were really just a bunch of scribbles of reviews <laughs> those are tough to put out. I can't imagine what it would be like writing all of this um, from scratch that you're writing. So God bless you. Yeah, thank you. We talked about how hard this is and how we're never going to critique other people's books after you write one. So. Yeah, there's no, I don't care. Like, you know, I used to see like celebrities that say like, oh, I want to write a children's book. And I'd be right. like, oh yeah, supermodel lady. Like, or, yeah. oh yeah, rock star guy. You're going to write a children's book. How hard? Yeah. Now I'm like, man, you put a fucking book out. Good for you. Right? God bless you. I'm patting you on the back because it is not easy to do. One more topic I need to ask you about are your plans for Mother's Day. Since I don't have kids and I tend to avoid rest restaurants on Mother's Day. I mean, I learned yes. my lesson way back in the mid-90s. <laughs> when I made the mistake of going to one of my favorite Mexican restaurants in the East Village on Mother's Day, had my meal ruined by a bratty child we called Austin. <laughs> Not his real name, but that's a long story why we called him that. I'll skip it. But um, little Austin spent the entire meal running around the restaurant like a methed-out Fouquet bar gibbon while his mom assumed the fuck it, not my problem, this is my day, pour me another mimosa attitude. (laughs) And dad was just clueless, as dads are wont to be sometimes. Um, So I vowed that day that I would never again set foot in a restaurant on Mother's Day. I know a lot of service service industry people who wish they could say that. They don't have that luxury because Mother's Day is probably the busiest day of the year in many, many restaurants. We'll talk to some restaurant owners about that in just a moment. But Kim, as a mom, yeah. Is a Mother's Day brunch or a Mother's Day dinner in a restaurant something that you enjoy? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of joking. But look, I, I think Mother's Day is really about the grandmothers and, uh, you know, our our elder uh, our maternal elders. And so taking them out to a nice brunch on the day is probably super important to them. And so I'm going to say definitely do that. Um, but most of us who are in the trenches every day with small kids and um, we just basically want you all 
to leave the house. Yeah, okay, I like that. <laughs> that would be the day. I was yeah. going to say, you don't want people bringing um, pancakes and syrup up into your bed in your no. nice clean sheets. No, <laughs> no, I do not want, no. We As happens on that. every shitty sitcom ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, Mother's Day isn't really about moms. It's really just about letting your kids do things that you know create mass in the kitchen that you're going to spend two hours <laughs> anyway so yeah yeah okay. but look if grandma what need grandma need, needs to feel like loved and taken care of you know take her to a nice place for brunch sit out on the patio i know you guys are going to talk about outdoor dining this is like the perfect time to do that grandma needs her bottomless mimosas she does yes, yes. and we should mention which i didn't even say yeah. off the bat speaking of outdoor dining and sitting on patios we are coming to you for this entire episode yes. from seventh and carson which is located believe it or not on the corner of seventh and carson <laughs> in downtown las vegas just off fremont street i gotta put that in my gps just to be sure yeah, yeah. we d- i did i took <laughs> directions down here because traffic was a mess uh, but traffic's a mess everywhere in the valley it has nothing to do with downtown anyway this is a great restaurant and we're going to be talking more about that um great brunch spot but i should say it's a beautiful day outside it's nice to be outside and this is a gorgeous patio and i did not know about the patio so this yeah. is going to be um a, my new go-to destination so educating people one at a time just right. come on my podcast you'll learn something <laughs> i mean i'd like to think if you listened you would learn something but let's just yeah. come on if you have to <laughs> Uh, look, before we get to Rich, and I'm sure some junk food that he's been devouring, like a feral <laughs> raccoon, um, uh, what can you share with us where you've been eating or what you've been doing lately, or is it all just book writing? Okay, so it's mostly book writing, and, and really, I think it's just very sad how very few places I've gone this year. But I did check out the Pepper Club at the English Hotel, mm. and I would say that that's also a nice terrace to bring Grandma to. Wow. Um, and I also like that um, I'm not... So it's sceny, but it's not so sceny that I feel really ugly. And <laughs> that is actually something that really works for me. So, but if you really want to have some success, I would with if you're going to bring kids in tow, I would go someplace where they can just be really comfortable in a restaurant that isn't like so fancy. So that's my yeah. If you're going to bring the kids, look for a restaurant that has fucking crayons or something on the table or yeah. hands out iPads because or even tacos and like go for birria and just yeah. like get dirty and put you know dip your taco in the birria and no. stuff like that. You know, so yeah. So hey. that's what I would suggest. Oh, and for that, yeah. there's uh, Los Arcos birria. Which okay. is over on the east side, which is fantastic. Okay. Oh, so, great. Well, thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. Rich, what have you been eating? Well, I decided to do a little follow up from last week's episode on gaming bars. So I went to Distill, a local bar, to use the full name. Joanna and I had a nice time at the patio with uh, at the Summerlin location, thanks to GM Kim and executive chef Jeff, who were on the show. I had uh, an excellent uh, plate of fresh buffalo wings, nice hot sauce they definitely made there. I could definitely taste that the wings were fresh. My Philly cheese cheesesteak was on a perfect hoagie roll. Next time I will ask for double cheese because it was a little tough to find the cheese. <laughs> but that's, you know, um, Joanna had a nice BLT with a mixed green salad that's definitely classier, classier than the usual gaming uh, bar fare. Did you eat off a of bar, buddy? Uh, not there, but stay tuned. <laughs> Keep listening. Okay. Next morning, I had breakfast at Jackson's, Flamingo and Jones. The lovely and charismatic Lisa was my bartender who was on the show. Bacon and eggs over medium. Eggs perfectly over medium. Uh, the bacon, though, had been sitting in the warmer for quite a while and was, you know, beyond crispy. Beyond crispy. Yeah. That means formerly crispy and no longer <laughs> Oh, no, no. They're beyond, does they're that mean it was super crispy? Super crispy, crispy okay. like in, you touch it and it crumbles and falls apart. Okay. Next my time, vocabulary straight yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will take Lisa's advice because uh, she was pushing me to the steak and eggs, and now I know why. So I'll do that next time. Uh, full disclosure, both meals were comped. Generous tips were left. And at Jackson's, another 40 of my dollars stayed in the video poker machine's Next to the bar buddy that I use for the bacon and eggs. Cool. Uh, we had dinner at 8 East last week. Stopped by, and on the way, stopped by the bar at Barry's Prime. I had never been down to that basement to look and see because of all the steakhouses. That just sounds like the one that's at the bottom of my list because of over the top and prices and all that. Barry's is an amazing steakhouse. I'm just going to jump okay. in. I love it. It's a gorgeous room. Barry Day Cake is a great Las Vegan. Yeah. Been around for a long time. One of my guests that will be joining us momentarily, I'm sure, could have some fine things to say yeah. about Barry. I hope. Maybe maybe we'll talk some shit. I don't know. But well, I think I hope it'll be positive. And I can um, say that bar, the deep, dark, lush space was so inviting. Good service, reasonable cocktails for 
for, for the price, 18 bucks, which is the same price as the cocktails at the very top of the Legacy uh, mm -hmm. Lounge. So, you know, a nice way to spend 20 minutes. And based on that quick little uh, drive-by, uh, I might uh, give berries a try. You, sh you definitely should, and make sure you get the... Um the bone marrow pasta, where they scrape out the bone marrow into the pasta, is fucking delicious. Whoa. And they pour sherry through the bone marrow as a luge, and you do a shot of sherry that way with <laughs> See, little bone marrow floaties in it, man. Now I you're, love that. Oh, See, okay. I can always pull something out of my ass that's kind of scared the hell out of Rich. <laughs> All he right. starts liking a place. Uh, so my turn. I guess I should start with a visit to the recently renovated rum bar at the Mirage. I have to say, getting an invite to any place in the Mirage surprised me right about now. Um, I expect a lot of locals may have written off the property as just existing on life support until the Hard Rock blows it up to make room for a guitar. Um, but no, they are actually working on new concepts, oh. and Rumbar is just one of them. I spoke with the assistant general manager, Ariana Martin, about what's new in this space. We want it to be a very sociable experience. We want it to be nostalgic. So as soon as you walk in, you see the golds and the pinks and kind of like that old Hollywood kind of look, um, the velvet seats and everything like that. And the sound, it's opened up now. So people are more enticed when they hear the sound coming through the walls as opposed to people just being able to walk in randomly. Yeah. So um, it's a little bit more of a ultra lounge in that way to where people come in, they were greeted by a host and that you know, they're not able to sit themselves. We have a lot of different large format cocktails. So we have like a three foot margarita, margatini we call it. We have um, mimosa towers. We have large like gin and like a bathtub drink. So it's like a gin drink, it's delicious. We have tons, everything was specifically um, made by our mixologist to kind of like fit into that tropical um, experience that tropical like delicious taste of like all the passion fruits and mangoes and everything like that so we have a wide selection of cigars we're imp implementing hookah uh, which we think that you know the old rum bar used to have that and that was such a hit and especially now like younger crowds love hookah so we want everybody we want to get locals and we want to get tourists to come in um, and have that fun experience and have it be an Instagrammable experience, why we have like the large format things so we can have light shows, we have bottle service, we have a whole lot going on, a lot of fun stuff. So I, I really enjoyed Rumbar. I like the renovation they do. You know, it's funny, whenever I've interviewed people about what, what makes a tiki bar, and this is not a tiki bar, let me make that straight, not, 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 not a tiki bar. No, no, no. But um, when I talk about what makes a great tiki bar, people say that tiki culture was always the idea of a vacation in your backyard. Right. And the way they have this set up is like a very posh mid-century backyard, the cement, you know, walls on the side. And it just feels very nice, light and airy, open. The way they use that space at the very front of the Mirage is great because they point you away from the building and towards the strip. And if you're looking that way over at, I think it's Harrah's on the other side, yeah. you really feel like you're right on top of the strip. Now, if you turn the other way, you feel like you're right in the middle of the parking garage or valet parking. <laughs> Don't turn around. Um, their bottle service, ridiculously reasonable, reasonably priced for bottle service. I mean, I think, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I should have jotted them down, but I think like 250 to $300 for a okay. bottle. So at that point, you know, it's really the same as buying drinks, you know, by the drink, I would guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing the math yeah. in my head right now. Every time I try that, I fuck it up. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, it seemed reasonable. They've got a good cigar program there. They have a lot of cocktails. The food is all just goofy-ass food, right? Like, they bring out a big guitar, and it's got, like, cocktail weenies and pigs in blankets kind of things oh. in it. Um, good chicken wings, although they're, like, French-cut chicken wings. Mm. Even the thighs were French-cut, which was really Oh, how do you do that? Um, so a little handle on a half a thigh. That was very strange, but um, very good. I, I dug whatever food I had. Some of it I had sliders that came out in like a little lunch box so you know very kitschy very have a good time you're certainly not going there because you want a um, michelin starred meal or a dish that you're gonna go i've never eaten anything like this before yeah but their cocktails were fine their um their shots like you get four different shots brightly colored neon colored like walt disney shots practically uh but you know all lined up and they, it looks like a really fun place to hang out with a group of people i'm gonna say this i don't feel like and this is i feel bad saying this they're called Rum Bar. I don't feel like they have their rum program dialed in quite yet. <laughs> they have their cocktail program dialed in, and they have a lot of stuff, and they have their cigar program dialed in, which is awesome. They're also going to be bringing in the hookahs, as they mentioned. But, um, you know, when I asked about what kind of good sipping rums do you have, they didn't – I had to go up at the bar and look. They do have a few there, but it's just not – again, they have it. You're just going to have to do a little research right, if you're going right. there for the rum. So we will throw that out there. 
Um, where else have I been? I took the team from the unofficial guide to Las Vegas over to Esther's Kitchen, as you would expect. It was amazing. No more yeah, really to say there. about yeah. that. I also went to see Lady Gaga's jazz and piano show. More jazz and less piano than I was expecting, but um, that's okay. As, as someone who has no interest in Lady Gaga's pop music, but I love to listen to her voice. It was a fantastic show, and I think what she shows here is that she can really control a thirty-piece band. And she almost wow. the way yeah. that she um, and and these were not like shy little backing people like you might see backing certain strip headliners. Um, this, I mean, you know, we all know Brian Newman's horn playing is yeah. very loud, very aggressive. Um, the piano player was also very, you know, in your face. There was another horn player who played lead, and yet she, you know, she took them on. She is fierce She's for fierce. a short little woman. She is. Absolutely fierce on stage and um, brilliant. She kind of almost reminded me of um, of the best things that I like about seeing, say, a Bette Midler or a um, oh, or even yeah. a Cher. Like just the diva quality that at such a young age she's really mastered. Yeah. I know that has nothing to do with food. Um, but before we went into the show, we stopped by Nomad <laughs> Bar for a hamburger and a hot dog because, well, it's nice about segue. the most high-class pre-concert hamburger and hot dog I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I spent half my career in rock and roll business, and I ate a lot of burgers and dogs before concerts. So, um, yeah, that was cool. Wow. Also dropped in on Brian Howard's half-bird pop-up at Vegas Test Kitchen. Um, How was it? it it's yeah. really good. I love what he's doing. His... First of all, he didn't do the rotisserie because it's just not doesn't lend itself to the pop up. Okay. But I had a great um, Cuban sandwich made with the half bird chicken. Uh, but the half bird chicken sandwich is really good. And again, I talked to Brian a bit about it. Um, you know what? It's it's just this very very thin coating, right? So it's not super breading, yeah. but really really spicy and it or excuse me, really really crispy. Yeah. And it keeps the juice in there, and it's a great sandwich. I love it. But you know what? We've got a little bit of Brian talking about it, so let's cut to that. Half bird chicken and beer. Um, it's my love relationship for roasted birds. Uh, working with Thomas Keller for you know six, seven years or whatever I did, I roasted birds at Bouchon every day for so long, and I found out that there's something special about the simplicity and the technique. And you know, it's chicken's one of those things. It's popular. Right? It's never going to go away. It's growing every year. People are doing hot chicken concepts everywhere. We wanted to do something that was a little bit more unique and kind of go left and bring rotisserie back um so we're doing that but we're turning the dial a little bit we're bringing uh you know rotisserie to the to the neighborhood we're brining it in like uh unique flavor profiles like koji and lemon and uh keeping it simple but just yet turning the dial we have um uh a plethora of different sandwich options as well we we do offer a hot chicken but it's a sichuan style hot chicken sandwich so you'll see uh more of you know my techniques come through and my my background and some of the flavors uh, we want to deliver a level up brand to the community, something that you feel good eating when you're done with it, uh, but also something that I can franchise. You know, we want to compete on a on a large level. I think that uh, fast food is dying slowly. Uh, I think even more like where I grew up in Detroit, that's all that you had access to really. Like you know, the the streets were just covered in fast food. So when I go back home, I'm seeing those are slowly going away and. New concepts are coming in that are that are you know you feel good eating. You know, it's better product, it's better quality. We know where we're sourcing our our food from. We're doing a lot of we have vegan options and vegetarian options and vegetables coming out of the rotisserie. And, but yet it's still familiar, right? It still stays true to those things that have been kind of around forever. We're not reinventing the wheel by any means, but really delivering something to the community that like one I you know we're constantly on, on Spring Mountain like looking for something healthy to eat all the time. And it's either you go get a bowl of soup. Where you have to drive somewhere, you know, to find something. Simple roasted chicken in a salad is, like, something I kind of crave all the time. So we're going to put that in the neighborhood. Uh, but it's it's a really cool concept. We have a, a big patio outside, so it's fun enough to, like, bring your family, uh, bring your friends to watch a game or just pick something up to go and go home with. Um, you know, so it kind of fills a lot of those niches, you know. We're going to be doing, like, uh, you know, half bottles of champagne with red Solo cups. There's a little level of, like... Uh, my trailer park involved in there a little fun kind of you know we're going to do keggers on the patio you know you'll be able to come and watch all of our you know our local sports games and we're we're staying true to like our beer program is all locally crafted beer you know so we want it to be about our community first and, and even if we travel to other communities we'll we'll uh you know kind of grasp onto what do they do there as in terms of beer programming but uh yeah dude i'm excited man we've uh you know we've got 30 seats in here we're gonna have a a really cool uh, window we were coining as chicken after dark 
So uh, you'll be able to come, like the Krispy Kreme light that you see blinking, we're going to have a similar kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you'll get some of our signature stuff out of the window, whether it's the, you know, uh, our hot chicken sandwiches or, um, you know, uh, a soft serve cone or a fresh baked cookie. And, you know, there's a, uh, you know, Federal Donuts, right? Federal Donuts is this thing where at the end of the day, they, they do donuts, but at the end of the day, they fry chicken in the, in the fryers, right? So we'll do similar thing we're just going to do the opposite right so at the end of the day of offer our when we're done frying chicken and things like that we're going to fry donuts and the thing and we'll serve them from whatever time until they're sold out you know um, so yeah i think it's it's a fun concept it's cool it, it feels good like you don't feel like like i said we know where we're getting our product we know where we're putting into it whenever i i've had every chicken sandwich known to man at this point right now and you can sit down and eat everything on our menu and walk away like not feeling like bogged down you feel good about it. Um, even Bricks, my son, has got a, a menu item at this point. We were, you know, we, when we tested out recipes, we wanted to do things like rotisserie fries, things that are, you know, fries that are cooked under the chicken. So they get the chicken fat, chicken fat rice, and, you know, broccoli rob, and all these things that, you know, you don't find in a typical uh, fast casual restaurant. And Bricks was like, Dad, you gotta have a mac and cheese. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't wanna do a mac and cheese. Everywhere does mac and cheese. And he's like, no, but you got to have my mac and cheese. And I'm like, okay, well, what would it be? And he's like, well, we got to have Spam. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't love Spam because I make a good pate. So, you know, but my wife's Cantonese and it's it's a it's a staple in our household. We have Spam and he pan fries it. So he's like, we're going to do it crispy and then we're going to put nori on it. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening, right? And so we made it and I'm like, it's actually really good. I'm like, it goes on the menu. So... Uh, so yeah, it's fun. You know, we uh, soft serve cookies, chicken. You know, and that's it. Really, it's it's really simple. We have great nugs that come out of the fryer and uh, a really cool sauce program. Where uh, you know that's where we kind of turn the dial is introducing, you know, the the flavors that I you would find at Sparrow and Wolf to some degree. You know, we're doing a uh, yuzu hot honey. We're doing uh, scallion ginger sauce, which is a traditional you know Cantonese kind of staple with uh, chicken, uh, miso barbecue, and Chinese Chinese. Uh, hot honey mustard right like things like that so again it's not overly complicated it's, it was actually probably one of the harder concepts for me to like develop <laughs> because for me it's like you know at sparrow i knew what i wanted to cook right here it's like how do i stay inside the lines to some degree but make it cool enough where it's different than everything else you know and uh and i think we've done a good job of it so we're, we're really i'm excited about this weekend because we've served you know probably 300 people over the last couple of days um, and it's been w- really well received, but we're also learning, you know, how we can be better and fine tune things and what the guest needs are. Right. And that's what we're doing here at Vegas test kitchen is like, you know, taking, I've been taking all the notes and all the feedback and we'll put it together and we'll figure out an algorithm and then find the trends of like where we need to improve, you know, or what our guests want. And, uh, we'll make those changes. But, um, yeah, I think we're aiming for June 16th to open the doors and hopefully we'll be wildly busy. Everybody and their manager seems to be doing a chicken sandwich these days. Will this stand out in, in that crowded space? I think it will. It is not a um, not a traditional hot chicken sandwich, but it is a spicy chicken sandwich, drawing on a lot of Asian spices. So that differentiates okay. it. Um, so you, we all know that I'm a bit of a pussy when it comes to spice. Um, but so uh, this is still not a super over the top. It's not daring you to burn off your taste buds. Um, really good. I think it's a great sandwich. But rotisserie is what they're really all about. And you know, it is funny. People say, "Oh, everybody's doing chicken." Well, yeah, it's kind of you know one of the major food proteins so everybody should be doing chicken and i feel like chicken sandwiches are being taken seriously but most restaurants don't take their chicken very seriously i mean most of the time it's a throwaway item that you know it's like okay some dick is going to order the chicken so we'll put it up here we don't care (laughs) okay um so i like places that take their chicken seriously you know nomad which i mentioned just a moment ago they do great chicken maybe maybe they do here we're going to find out about what they do here. Um, okay. So, coming up next, when I moved to Las Vegas, you couldn't find one anywhere except maybe at a casino buffet. Today, they are everywhere you look. We are talking about brunches, especially the bottomless variety, because everything's better when it's bottomless, except me. We'll talk about it next. This is Food and Loathing. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So Mother's Day is upon us, which means a lot of people have probably been researching brunch spots over the past few weeks. And honestly, if you're just getting to it now, we probably can't help you out for Sunday. You're better off just cooking up some pancakes and eggs for mom at home. However, the other 364 days of the year, Las Vegas seems to have more brunch options than ever. If you take a look at my app, Neon Feast, we have 14 restaurants recommended for brunch. I think we're going to be splitting that down into strip and off strip because there's just a lot more great places coming out. If you listen to this podcast, you've already heard us recently, very recently, talking about the new Toasted Gastro Brunch, the new brunch at Nomad Bar. So yes, brunch is more popular than ever in Las Vegas, and my guests today know a thing or two about what makes a good brunch. First up is our host for today's podcast in a restaurant tour. I got to know pretty well during my coverage of the pandemic because it seems I was constantly reporting on some innovative new way he'd come up with to serve the downtown community. He is the proprietor, proprietor, you are the proprietor of 7th and Carson, where brunch is on the menu seven days a week. He was also, I got to give props and a little shameless plug, one of the first people to sign up for the premium features on Neon Feast, which I means- I think I was the first. You were, you may have been the very <laughs> yeah. first. Um, and Smart which move. means you wow. can see updates on things he's doing, the Vegas Lights tickets that he gives out with meals, um, all that stuff. You can make a reservation, you can order takeout. You can do it all Dude. through my app, Neon Feast. So. Mr. Liam Dwyer, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you for inviting me on the show. How long have you been down here at um, 7th and Carson? Four and a half years. Four and a half yeah. years. You took it over when it was Glutton? Glutton had closed down. Um, I was inspired by our friend, Mr. Morton, here with the uh, La Comida when I came downtown. He had opened before I, I'd moved down here, so I was inspired by him and his restaurant. Took over this restaurant and called it 7th and Carson. And you just gave him the nice little bit of a mini intro. I'm going to give the long one that I give every time he comes to a table that I'm at. Because, man, this man is true F&B royalty and a Las Vegas pioneer and a huge member of the community right up to this very day. Still adding things. Michael Morton was raised in this industry, his father being the legendary Arnie Morton who is the co-founder of the original Playboy Club, as well as Morton's of Chicago, which we've all eaten in Morton's oh, of Chicago. In Chicago. And there you go, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like your kind of joint. Absolutely. Oh, God, yeah, I'll tell that story. Uh, you may also have heard of his brother, Peter Morton, who co-founded the Hard Rock chain and built the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas. Michael, to the best of my knowledge, first made his own name in Las Vegas by opening one of the first legit Vegas nightclubs, the Drink, which was directly across the street from his brother's place. And then he went on to found the Nine Group, which operated the steakhouse and nightclubs at the Palms during its glory days under George Maloof, when they were stealing all the cool <laughs> away from his brother at the Hard Rock. Um, he and his wife, Jenna, continue to shape the local dining scene at their five restaurants I'm counting, unless I missed one. We've got Crush American Grill and Greek Sneak within the MGM Grand, one steak at the New Virgin Hotel, one of my personal favorite brunch spots on the strip win las vegas's la cave which operates a butler brunch with the view of Ooh, the high roller yeah. and the wind pool and downtown las vegas's la comida right around the corner from where we're sitting right now <laughs> which just launched its own brunch so actually right around the corner literally just right down the street not even you don't have to yeah. turn a corner from this one block patio yeah um which i'm hoping you could tell us all about your new brunch service Mr. Morton, did I get anything wrong in that one? No, I think you I think you've got that really well done. But it's <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Good to be here with my neighbor Liam. Yep. Who has done an incredible job here and, and worked so hard and I'm happy for your success. Thank you. Really really am. Thank you. You were one of the first people to open a restaurant in downtown Las Vegas. I mean there were a couple things here. The Thai may have been here before you. I'm not sure if Natalie Young was here before you at Eat. I've always loved La Comida. It's a fantastic restaurant. It's just is. a really fun place for me. It, it ends up, it, it's worth a trip just to go to La Comida. But La Comida for me very often is 
I didn't think about where I was going to eat when I was downtown. Uh, let's pop into La Camino, right? Um, but I, I just really like the restaurant. How long have you been there, and how has the neighborhood changed in the time you've been in downtown? It's changed a ton. Um, we're in our 10th year, if you can possibly believe that. Wow. And, oh. you know, we've seen a lot of restaurants come and go downtown. And so, you know, to me, it's all about staying power. Uh, you'll see a lot of people that'll do it for a little while. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's about doing it for a long time. And... You know, the neighborhood's changed a ton. Um, boy, it was it was a lot rougher <laughs> 10 years ago downtown. And uh, Liam, you, especially on your corner as well, right? 100%, yeah, no, the, 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 I mean, it's a constant, it's, it's a constant growing community downtown. Michael's been here for 10 years, I've been here for four, but even Natalie across the street, when she first opened, she, I think she was the one, she was the first. She's obviously breakfast only, so she's not open at nighttime, but back in those days, it wasn't, it wasn't a very polite, friendly corner. No, it's, it's changed so much. And Natalie was here first, and Latai was here just before us. Uh, and, and to see all the changes that have taken place, I don't know if you've seen the alley behind us, for instance. Yeah. That alley was rough. <laughs> and what they've done to clean it up and put some art installations in there. And, and it re- doesn't smell like pee and at remove all the garbage cans. <laughs> Removing the garbage cans was brilliant by the city, I must say. Because, you know what, it, it, was, uh, it was getting torn up every day. And to see Ryan Doherty really, you know, uh, increasing his footprint down here. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just, you know, it's just evolving and continues to evolve. We got in super early. I think it's still, you know, in the middle of the game mm-hmm. for downtown, which is exciting. I think there's a lot of, lot of things to come. Um, but we're just, it's just been an honor to be down here. And so, uh, yeah, La Comida just kicked off our brunch uh, two weekends ago. And so it's Saturday and Sunday from 9 till 3. Um, and, you know, people want a brunch. It is extremely popular. And so, you know, um, and people have asked us, we wanted to do, do this for a long time, but I don't think it was right, you know, eight or nine years ago that it just downtown wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. So today it's been great. We've just kicked it off and uh, it's a lot of fun. Michael, you, you know, when I talk about how brunch was almost unheard of when I moved to Las Vegas 20 years ago, I remember Robin Leach saying to me once that he credits the rise in brunch to Kerry Simon at Palms Place. I believe you were at the Palms at the time. We were. Do you remember those early days? Was that really a turning point for brunch in Las Vegas? I think Kerry did, did a great job back then, just making a really fun place to, to be. You know, how it interacted uh, with the pool was it was just a terrific daytime setting. Um, I personally worked, you know, I was kind of having some old nightmares to thinking about Mother's Day brunches because I worked brunch <laughs> for my father in Chicago for many, many years. And, you know, it was uh, I used to carve a steamship round at Arnie's North in Highland Park outside the city. Oh, man. And, and go through four or five of those on a, on a Mother's Day um, was, was, uh, was really hard work. Um, and those are intense. There was a lot of families, unfortunately, and a lot of kids yes. terrorizing the <laughs> yeah. restaurant. You never, my dad was a very cool, calm guy, unless it was a child running through his restaurant. <laughs> and then you saw a different side of him. Good. That's the kind of angry restaurant. Yeah. 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 He would like. The rug rats. He, he would do things you couldn't do today. He would like kind of grab the kid by the arm. Where's your Where's your table? Who's your mother? <laughs> and kind of you know send him send him back. But you know, brunch is is extremely. Um, it's a big business for us during the pandemic, particularly. Um, brunch was really one of the things that really carried us at the wind. People wanted to come. We can open the windows. It was indoor, outdoor. And I, there was just something special about it. And yeah. thinking about, you know, the things that, especially here in Las Vegas, they want to they want to get up, maybe have a little hair of the dog that bit them and, and kind of get their day going. And so I think brunch is a really important part of our, um, it's been a really integral part of our business. Liam, you do brunch seven days a week. Yeah. And most places in Las Vegas that do brunch, it's a weekend thing. Right. So um, why why the seven-day-a-week brunch? So I think for me it was uh, obviously modifi- modifying your small business post-pandemic. The reality is that I, I felt there was much more um, traffic downtown in the, during the daytime hours, especially after we reopened after the pandemic. So it, was, it, it made sense for me to go seven days a week with brunch and then focus on the brunch. We changed our hours of operation. We used to open at, at uh, 10 o'clock before pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then we opened at 9 a.m. We captured that, that market, with the, like Michael was saying, coming out early in the morning, one little cocktail, maybe a little, a little mimosa. And we do, blo- we do Bloody Mary mimosas and Bloody Beers all day, seven days a week also. So we have that, you know, it's a, it's a nice little hair of the dog the day after. <laughs> 
and then it ties into. I mean, obviously, weekends, weekend warriors, Saturday and Sunday are, are the busiest days. But we're uh, we've se we've seen a lot of success Monday through Friday with that brunch program also. Cool. So you mentioned people need a hair, hair of the dog, a little bit of a cocktail. Mm -hmm. What makes what's the difference between a brunch and just a late breakfast? Is it the booze? Is it the hours? Do you have to have alcohol for it to call it a brunch? Oh uh, yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the reality is that brunch is is, is a mixture of breakfast, lunch. So you have you know. Half our menu is focused on breakfast, and the other half is on, is on brunch. So you can do either either or, depending what time you come in. And, and the fact that we run it from from nine to four, you got a multiple hours of operation. So depending on what time they wake up and they want to come out, you can do either or. You have some very creative. I'm sorry, Michael. Do you? No, and booze? I would I would just I would of, of course <laughs> we have to have booze, but I would add to that too. There, there's something more celebratory, more elevated about brunch than just a uh, typical breakfast a breakfast joint, which we all love breakfast joints. Mm -hmm. But there's something more spe this more special about it, I, I think, in the way you, your attitude or the way you dress or your feeling about that meal service than you would for a typical uh, breakfast place. It's just well, nice to have the variety. We, uh, we, we were here at 7th Carson two weeks ago or so. Joanna had sausage and eggs. I had a Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. How, how many places in town would offer both at the same time? No, it's brilliant. I mean, our, our best-selling dish is the chicken and waffles. I mean, yeah. people love it. So, you spoke about chicken earlier. If you do chicken well, chicken is a great is a great meal. Yeah, and you do some creative dishes. Um, the chicken and waffles yeah. is great. You, you have some very creative dishes, Michael. Over at um, the Cobb, you do that butler style brunch, which is sort of like a dim sum cart, and you're right out there. You could be out there overlooking the pool. Yeah, is that still it's what actually, you're doing? It's been a little actually, while since I've been there. Yeah, it's actually not a cart. It's all just tray past. Okay, and it's that we call it butler style. Um, which was terrific. It was just good fortune that, you know, that style of service was so great going into the pandemic but when people didn't want to have shared touched items like handles on a buffet and, and et cetera. And it's great. We give you a menu so you can see what we have and you can kind of course it out yourself and you'll, you'll, they'll bring everything to the table and yes, I would love one of those, you know, two of these. Mm -hmm. And it's just great. It's just a wonderful way to eat, and people really enjoy it. Do people uh, like at the a classic Asian dim sum place, the, the little old Chinese ladies know to sit near the kitchen so they can get first tab on stuff coming out? <laughs> Are there seats like that at Lakav? You know what? That's very funny. Um, not it, We're not set up like that uh, very well at Lakav. <laughs> uh, and, and we're very good. You know, the, it's tricky because you really have to track what you've brought to each table. So we're, we take really, really detailed notes to make sure we're not bringing the same item to the to the to the same uh, you know redundantly to the same table, but it's just a it's just a great way to eat. And uh, I, I think we've been doing. I was thinking on the way here, we've been doing it for probably several seven or eight years. And uh, I remember when yeah, because we had our original general manager, and we weren't busy when we first launched it. And she said, you know, Michael, I think maybe we should want to throw throw the towel in on brunch. I said, no. I said, trust me, this will this will work. It's just that good. And now it's really, um, it's really one of our best meal, you know, meal periods. It's one of my favorite brunches in town. I don't get there often enough because I just don't usually end up at Win on a weekend. Um, but I, I love it. I love the style. I get get into yours, Liam, a bit yeah. more frequently. But you have the, the seven days a week, so there's more days that I have a chance. You have more options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More often. Any any day um, of the week is, is fine. Yeah. With but Mike, Michael's right. I mean, the, the brunch the brunch experience is just it's just a little different. We're uh, obviously kid friendly. We're family friendly. We're pet friendly on the patio, as you know. But we do we, we do have a lot of locals. I would say half our business lives or works within five or six blocks of this location, and then the other half are our weekend warriors or you know California, Arizona, and Utah guests who come in you know period, periodically. But the reality is that pe pe this is a it's very it's a very family driven situation here at Seven Carson. I'm the mom and pop, and then the rest of the kids are the family. So we, we, we try and work, we work well together. People feel the energy when they, when, when they come into the space, and it's, it's a very family-friendly, relaxed environment. Both of you run spaces, actually all the restaurants. La Comida has an outdoor patio as well. We're on an outdoor patio here at 7th and Carson. I love La Cave because you have that kind of indoor-outdoor space overlooking the pool, the high roller in the distance. Alfresco dining in Las Vegas is tougher than people might think because people think you know we have i guess a nice climate mm -hmm. but we don't it's it gets cold in the winter too cold to want to eat outside too hot it's not as fuck in the summer or windy and too like windy right now and too windy yes <laughs> so how do you manage doing al fresco in las vegas you know i think that's a great point and, and it's something i say all the time is 
yes, people come in from other parts of the country or the world, and they think it's, you know, right. warm here all the time. This is the desert. We got this intense, <laughs> um, you know, temperature swings, and you could see the last, I don't know, four or five weeks have been extremely windy, which happens here in the springtime. So I personally love the fall because it's it gets calmer. Um, but it's too hot, too cold, too windy. You don't get to use the outside like you, you know, you would really like to do if you were maybe in LA or somewhere else. Um, we used to have an outdoor patio that we actually expanded at the wind and enclosed because it was really difficult. We couldn't take reservations for it because if you got one of these windstorms or something come in and we were busy, thank goodness. So we couldn't just take those people inside. Yeah. So we couldn't take reservations for those. We'd use those as walk-in. Um, and that is a problem at a lot of Las Vegas restaurants when, even if I wasn't planning on dining outdoors, when the outdoors gets closed, the indoors suddenly gets very fucking crowded, right. man, right. because you have to reseat yeah. all of those people. I mean, that must be a logistical nightmare. I'm, can, I'm curious about you, Liam, because you've got a really sizable, beautiful outdoor space. Yeah. How does it go for you? It, I, I don't, honestly, it's a lot of work setting up, breaking down. And some people don't, you know, some restaurants don't want to deal with the aggravation. I got to tell you, I love the reason I, I, the reason I signed the lease was this patio. I love dining outdoors. Like, you, yes, you're going to have windy days, you're going to have rainy days. It's gorgeous here. It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're protected here, too. Yeah. This little yeah. It's a little alcove, you know? Yeah. Protected, but not enclosed and not claustrophobic. Yeah. And it was a great, it was a, it was a great place, you know, after the pandemic. People wanted to be outdoors, fresh air better air movement obviously swamp coolers help during, during, during the summer misters also um, and we have fans so just we keep you know we keep it as, as comfortable as possible I mean you're, you're outdoors so you expect to see a bug every once in a while but the, rea <laughs> but the reality is that it's been the, the outdoor patio and the sidewalk cafe have been the busiest part of this restaurant for the past two years it's also an important part of I think uh, for people who have, like, if you're managing a wheelchair or you're hearing impaired, the outdoor patios can be really, really helpful for yep. having a really great dining experience. And yep. I think that can really help, um, you know, I know I know people who will ask for the patio because it's just easier to maneuver in different right, places yeah. and things like that. No, we're looking, I mean, the, the, this, 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 this is a great, great, great space. It feels comfortable. And we... Um, we, I think we need to do a good job with with, uh, with brunch. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. It feels like LA here. Is it that does. doesn't it feel it does. like LA? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would never say that. To oh you. sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that like a bad thing? Not at all. Not at all. No, you know like, what I'm uh, talking no, about, no, though, it right? It feels more like Brooklyn to me because oh, I don't like it. Could do that, but you can walk. Well, the red brick. I mean, you know, you yeah, know. it kind of ties in. But to your point too, we're so close to one block off Fremont Street. Yep. Two blocks off Las Vegas Boulevard. Tons of parking, so it's it's a nice little oasis, if you will. Downtown. It's nice to be off Fremont Street. That's well, they, one of the things that oh, really yeah. that appealed to me for La Comida yeah. is it was just around the corner. You can park across the street. You can yeah. come in for the locals because there's this is a this is and uh, you know you're talking about family. This is community. There's this great sense of community, and that's what we want to be a part of here. And listen, we're happy to have people come in off of that are walking Fremont Street, but it's nice to be just off of it too. Yeah, and right? I think for a lot of the people, it's nice to turn that corner off of Fremont Street. And then, you know, Carson has a lot of great restaurants. You guys are in between the two. Um, yeah, I, I think it's cool because you get out of that nightclub, boom, 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 everybody trying to blast their music as loud as possible because apparently if I hear the one fucking song I like, I'm going to go in your bar. Right? <laughs> yeah, that seems yeah. to be the strategy oh, on Fremont Street. Like, let's all play it as loud as we can because Al needs to hear the one song he likes, which he never hears. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Guys, let's talk about boozy brunch and um, especially bottom. First of all, do either of you do a bottomless option at yeah. any of your brunches? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's talk bottomless brunch etiquette. And I, because man, <laughs> I remember like an we talk about, um, I just mentioned Brooklyn. Used to go to Montague Street during law school. It was an all you can drink bottomless brunch. They were using um, Spanish cava for their mimosas, all the mimosas. And I think it was like $15 a head, literally. And we would, of course, tip 200% because we would go in there as a group of 8 or 10 people during my law school CBGB days so half lawyers, half punk rockers we'd go in there, get two tables Sounds take like it fun. up and we would we actually paid for one of the waitresses weddings with like <coughs> because we went in every week and we just tipped the fuck out of them and we stayed there, got really drunk and then walked down to the Brooklyn Promenade uh, which was a lot of fun in Brooklyn Heights 
But I'm guessing that people like me are not your dream customers, at least for a business owner, because they were going down to the basement to get new cases of champagne for us. So yeah. how long can you stay? And how long can you legitimately... Um... So we, we do an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half. Okay. So from the time you, from the time you, you, you sit, your first mimosa arrives, you got an hour, you got an hour, and, a, an hour and a half, and it's $25 for an hour and a half. The reality is we do have customers like you who <laughs> try to uh, no. hit, hit as many as they can. But the, but the key for me is, as an operator, you got to manage the situation because you can't, you're not going to over-serve somebody. Obviously, that's not, not cool. So staff, slow them down. Some, some, some you have to slow down. Some you have to you know, speed up a little bit. But it's, for the most part, uh, everyone is respectful of, of, of you know, the environment and what they're trying to do. So we have very, very few cases where you know people get you know get ill after yeah. drinking too much champagne. But the key is the staff manage the situation and control it so no one gets in any trouble. Just keep Al out. You should <laughs> well, I mean, I Al mean these <laughs> days I can afford to pay. I mean, first of all, I don't drink very much these days, so you, you're you going to win on an all-you-can-drink with me. You did not want to be serving me all-you-can-drink yeah. in the 90s. We're not getting any younger. Very different. <laughs> you're, you're reminding me of when I used to go up to Madison, Wisconsin from Chicago and drink their nickel beers. Okay. <laughs> and, and you just reach into your pocket and, and pull it out. But Wham. I, I think that people really enjoy it. We do the same. We have a 90-minute limit at... at uh, at Lakav, uh, and we've just started the same program here. I think it's a good it's a good amount of time. It makes sense. People yeah. can feel the value. They have plenty of time, I think, to feel that they've gotten their money's worth. And I think, for most part, we rec- really recommend it for people if they're going to have at least two drinks. Is it easy uh, after a while for your staff to recognize? These are the locals who have driven, and we got to watch that, as opposed to the folks who are coming from the hotels who just have to stagger and aren't going to get you in legal trouble. We, You know, well, again, we just launched down here, so I can't really say much for down here, which certainly is a lot of locals, and we hope to get a lot of locals over. But primarily at the Wynn, which is the only yeah. other place we do brunch, it's primarily tourists. And they're which classy is nice. tourists. Classy drinks yeah. at that They're win. very good. <laughs> they're high-level drinkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of high-level, um, Mimosas. I, I guess I'm just going to ask, how cheap or how good can, should the, bubble, the bubbles be? I mean, I don't necessarily want to pour orange juice into Perrier Jouet, right? Okay. But then again, when they bring the bottle of Cook's and they leave it at the table and they are stingy with the orange juice, which I know costs more per gallon than the fucking bubbly they're bringing to me. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I should go to a slightly better, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm really not. So At the end of the day, you just you need, you need, to, you need to serve a quality product. So you're not going for the cheapest champagne, obviously. In my world, anyway, we, we, uh, we provide a good product. Now, you say the orange juice can be more expensive. We do seven different flavors here at Seven to Carson because we are Seven to Carson. Mm-hmm. So you got blackberry, raspberry, pineapple, peach, orange, mango, pomegranate. So we have a lot of different flavors that we can add into that mm-hmm. experience, and you can mix and match and change between Bloody Marys and Bloody Beers. But for the most part, to answer your question, go for a quality champagne because otherwise, it just you get a headache. You get it. You know what? Oh yeah. If you have a dis- you know dissatisfied customer, you're not building a repeat business. Yeah, we use an Italian brute sparkling. Mm-hmm. Which is great, and nobody, you know what? It, and again, you're right. You're mixing, you're mixing this with juices, so there's no reason to use a super high-end pro- or high-end product. It doesn't make doesn't make sense. Um, you just don't. There's no there's no benefit there for anybody, um, and nobody ever. It was, it was, you know, nobody ever says we don't. They don't like our <laughs> our champagne. Yeah, right. They, they don't. Or excuse me, our sparkling. Cool. Well, man, this has been fantastic. I want to thank you both for your times. Real quickly, Liam, you are open for brunch at 7th and Carson. How many days a week? What hours? Et cetera. Give me the Seven days a week. We open at 9 a.m. We run brunch from 9 to 4 p.m. And then we serve dinner from 4 to 9 9 p.m. in the evening. Six days a week, dark on Sunday night. Okay. Michael? Yeah, and for us at at, uh, La Cava at the Wynn, we serve brunch from 10.30 till 3 on Saturdays and Sundays only. And here downtown uh, for La Comida, we serve brunch from nine to three, also on Saturdays and Sundays. And La Comida, by the way, tell me if I got this right, because you know I have all these bullshit little bits of trivia that I picked up over the year. La Comida is the name for the family meal that the staff enjoys at a restaurant, correct? It, it is, it is. You'll hear, you'll hear people serving comida okay. uh, for their staff, which we've been doing for you know decades. And so, yeah, it wound up being a great name for our restaurant. Cool. Well, yeah. thank you both for being here. Please tell your lovely wife that I said I hello. I will. Thanks for having great me. Great to see her.
Um, coming up, the Palms is back. One of our favorite taco joints expands, and another chef gets her tryout to win a coffee shop. All that in the news next. This is Food and Loathing. It's time for the news, and Rich, I'm going to let you start it off this week. Oh yeah, Palms is back, and we were there, by which I mean we saw each other for a couple of minutes as uh, we uh, wandered all over the property. Uh, If you like most of the upgrades that Station Casino has spent on Palms, something like $600 million, uh, you'll be happy because the San Manuel tribe really didn't have to do much besides, uh, you know, vacuum the place (laughs) and uh, into this new iteration. Uh, On the food side, we got the scoop last week or a couple weeks ago from Michael Simon, being the low rider that I am. Uh, I am happy to see that the coffee shop is back uh, with, uh, looks like a little more than a new name. It's now called the Serrano Vista Cafe. It was the Lucky Penny. Mm-hmm. I hope to get there soon, see if they still have that hot turkey and gravy sandwich on the menu. That was my go-to during the Lucky Penny I don't know if you can call it an era, but <laughs> it's not much <laughs> it wasn't of an era. Very long. No. <laughs> uh, the buffet is back under the same name, A Y C E, as in all you can eat. I remember uh, actually, all you can enjoy. Oh, what they told me when they opened it, or okay. something, something like that. They kind of wanted to make it sound less like it was a challenge. Yeah, like right? you just like, stuff your fucking face until you yeah. can't even move. <laughs> yeah, and you're, you know, yeah. So that's what they're trying to do. It's not quite the bargain it was under stations, but a pleasant surprise in a time when so many properties use COVID to permanently ditch the concept. What do you like there? Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed seeing the palms back open. I'm very happy for them. I will be going there. Um, as far as the party was concerned, I felt like. I knew the place better than the people who were hosting me in there. And as a result, I felt like they were still exploring it and weren't quite ready to show it off to people like me, which is absolutely (laughs) fine. That's not like a bad thing to say. I was disappointed that we did not get to go into Scotch 80 Prime. That was um, at a private party reserved for the the tribe is what I was told. I don't know if that's the official word or the nation, but I was told by security, if you're not a member of the tribe, you can't come in. Fine. They bought the place. They spent a buttload of money. They should be doing having their own private party all they want. Yeah. As a member of the media, I would have liked to have seen what that place was looking like. I would have liked to have been able to... I don't think they did anything inside the Pearl that night. Certainly not while yeah. I was there. Um, I am so curious to see what they do with those cabanas at the pool because without a day club... I mean, those were $20,000 a day cabanas. Yeah. I don't know how they're gonna, what they're going to do. Otherwise, I'm just getting a room so I can you know hang out at those cabanas. <laughs> um, the, the, again, the place is beautiful. I, I certainly believe that the um, the new owners are going to need to get used to it because it is a very very high end experience. And the party itself, I feel you know George Maloof was always fantastic at being able to have the penny slot players down at one side, and then having you know Rihanna or whoever the star of the day yeah. was down at the other side of the yes. property, and they could coexist. I felt just based on one experience that these guys are going more for the locals market, okay. more for the the more mainstream everyman crowd. At least that's the vibe I got from the party. But they still have these gorgeous spaces to fill. So, yeah, I think the who knows? Uh, yeah the, who the knows how it'll play out. The the tell will be if uh, they start giving away plates of cookware and things like that with 100 points on a Saturday like they used to do in the <laughs> oh, old days. But I'm pretty sure they you did know. that while stations owned it and yeah. it was still a super high-end property. And again, you look, it's always going to be a high-end property because it's freshly renovated. Yeah. They've yeah. got amazing new features. I just kind of, again, felt like, wow, it's, it's a little different running a casino here than it is um, in California or wherever, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a different game, and it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to it. You know, I'm excited for them. I'm, I'm just happy to have the place open. Um, you know, I will say, and look, this is, I deserve to be mocked for saying this, but I'm not the only person who said this. <laughs> Several people I know, when asked how was the party, they were like, well, I didn't see any caviar there, and nobody handed me a glass of champagne. And I'm like, you know what? That is, that does speak to the fact that they may not be going for the champagne and caviar crowd. Oh, it's interesting. Um, There was champagne in the, the, what is now the X nightclub chaos. They also had uh, Aperol spritzes there and a big uh, cold-cut cheese thing to start the day off. Um, but I didn't have it. Yeah, it, 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 look, it was cool. The place is beautiful. I'm super happy to have it back. Uh, also in the news, Jay Dapper and his team are still testing out concepts for the Great Las Vegas Coffee Shop giveaway. Trying out their fare this past weekend were 
Our friend, Chef Stacy Dugan, and her partners, Uniquia Taylor, Maribel Alvarez, and Jen Falcione. Or, oh, Jen, of course they Jen are. Falcione and um, <laughs> Jen Tramaglino, which is just Jen T to everybody here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I had a chat with Stacy about her concept on Saturday while I was there for another reason. Ours is different, one, because we're plant-based, and also um, because we just came up with some unique things. So we have a, a barbecue meatloaf sandwich that I created the patty. It's not like the Impossible or anything. Um, we also have eggs over Benny, uh, Blue Pate Benny, which is uh, our vegan version of the Eggs Benedict. Um, of course, our signature lasagna, our cheesecake trio, and then we also are running plant-based omelets. So we've been doing really well, and we really appreciate everybody's support coming out. It's been great. Next up, over at Vegas Test Kitchen, trying to get their concept for the Great Coffee Shop giveaway. This Friday and Saturday, we have Aaron Lee and Mallory Gott. Their idea is called Winnie and Ethel's, and they told me a bit about it a few weeks ago. We looked at the, the history of what we've got going in the community. We live in Hunt Ridge. We work in Hunt Ridge. Um, we're, we've been here for a long time. We both grew up in great families, and we wanted to bring that feeling of our grandma's kitchens into the community where we live and work. So. When we thought about the history that the Hunt Ridge Theater has been around since 1944, we thought about what we really love, which is great food and a place to get together with people any time of the day or night. It was kind of a no-brainer for us to put those two things together. Plus, we're engaged, and so we were like, this is all of it coming together, right? Like family, community, food, history, beautiful design, and a vintage side of Vegas that most people don't think about. They usually stop at about 1955. Uh, so we were like, let's take it, let's throw it back a little bit further and show them what it used to be like back in uh, back in 1944 when the theater opened. Wow. So I have to ask, who are Winnie and Ethel? So uh, Winnie is my grandmother. Yep. And Ethel is my great grandmother. And um, just, I, I never got to meet Winnie, and he never got to meet Ethel. But right. it just when we both looked, it just made sense. Like mm -hmm. you know. The food and you know just grandmother's cooking is just always a good feeling Absolutely. and we just want to bring that to vegas and just you know just make people happy and congrats to our friend jamie tran of the black sheep she is now a finalist for a james beard award in the category of best chef southwest we caught up with her over at the restaurant at durango in warm springs and got a reaction to finding out she's now one of just five chefs in the running for that award which covers Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, and Oklahoma. I was super surprised by some being semifinalist and being nominated. Then finalist, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get it, but I'm really happy to be just a semifinalist. I think I was in the car when I got a text that I was a, uh, a finalist, and then I was super happy. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm not going to lie. I was like, I was happy being semifinalist. I'm not going to lie. And then just being a finalist, I'm like, yeah, I'm just happy in general. So I was super happy. I told my sister and stuff, and then uh, my sister did a frame with it and then the baby walks around with it my niece and she goes um you're 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 nominated chef i'm a nominated chef baby and she looks around <laughs> so it, that's a funny thing that goes around in our house right now <laughs> that's awesome um, what does it mean and does it in some way validate your decision to leave the strip and come out to the suburbs what's it mean to bring a nomination like this out to the vegas neighborhoods and away from the glitz and glamour of the strip uh, it means a lot because I did tell myself when I decided to become a chef, I wanted to be nominated nominated for Jane Spirit. I hope that happens when I come out here. And then just doing an off, be doing it off strip and just not being recognized off strip. I, I honestly, I'm super excited for Vegas in general because we're just like I think people are looking at us more than they were before. And I, I just I'm proud of everybody here, and I'm I'm proud to represent. <laughs> <laughs> Have you picked out a place that you're going to put it if you win? Um, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know. If I win, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the baby wear it around her neck. <laughs> also in the news this week, congrats to our friends at Taco Tarion on the opening of their fourth Las Vegas location. You can now enjoy their 100% plant-based Mexican cuisine at 5025 Blue Diamond Road, number 111 near Decatur. And that is about it for this episode of Food and Loathing as Seventh and Carson starts filling up with happy brunchers. Oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> uh, there's a, a couple of pictures of mimosas right in front of us that are going fast. There's yeah. a bridal party behind us. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. And she has yeah. a crown. 
cool. Oh, the crown. Well, maybe she just likes I, to wear a crown. Did we possible. see the sash yet? No, I don't see We're the sash. Get the sash yet. I left mine at home today. Maybe that's for Saturday. Thanks. So to our friends Liam and to Michael for joining us for this episode. Oh, yeah. This is a great patio. Uh, maybe it's lunchtime here. <laughs> Tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. You can find all the handles at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, what the heck is wrong with you? Download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next destination for dining. Pizzas, plants, ramen, robata, whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you desire, you will find it at Neon Feast. And if you can't get enough of my voice and would also like to see my pretty face, you can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15. And... Rich, we're also somewhere else. Yes, we're on actual, real, no kidding radio. Catch Al now and then every weekend with the Neon Feast update on The Vibe. 99.7 here in Las Vegas. 98.1 in the high desert. 98.9 at the river. And I believe highwayradio.com eventually. With producer Rich Johnson and our co-host... Kim Foster. I had Rick Moonen written down in my script there. I'm Rick Moonen. Much, much more beautiful person. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Rick Rick is a beautiful person inside, but you're more beautiful on the outside. I don't have his great radio voice, though. He's got that great gravelly radio voice, you know, so I aspire to that. You can only take so much of that great radio voice. (laughs) (laughs) We love having you here. So with producer Rich Johnson and Kim Foster, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Great.